500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy injustice and cruelty and all my sons will follow me so evil doers will believe that this man cannot die the phantom the ghost who walks the phantom enemies beware the phantom's always there but you won't find the phantom he finds you G'day everybody, and for those who have come in late, you're listening to X-Band, the Phantom Podcast. This is episode 111, Comics and News. My name is Jermaine, and tonight I'm joined by Dan. How are you going, buddy? I'm good, Jermaine. Very good. I'm delighted to be here. I'm very aware that somewhere in England, maybe David Shepard, the test umpire, is standing on one foot as we pass the, uh, the 111th episode. I was thinking that as well. I was thinking, should I say episode Legs 11 or, <laughs> or you know, all start thinking, I thought, no, 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 I'll just, uh, I'll just, stick, I'll just stick to it. Um, so, yeah, so uh, this, this podcast has been a bit of a hard one to record. Uh, I think we've had a delay a couple of times and it almost got delayed tonight as well with an evacuation by the fire brigade and stuff like that, but... Um, Yes, I'm, uh, I'm um, really proud of the way that you've decided to... It sounds like it's crackling in the background, actually. You can hear the fire <laughs> at your doorstep. Um, we're not even joking. Jermaine's family has been evacuated from the house today because of a, uh, a scrub or a bushfire in the vicinity, and he's manfully decided to stay home and recorded a podcast. Um, what did the fireys say when you screamed at them from the door, no, I'm not leaving, I've got a podcast to record? <laughs> Uh, it wasn't quite that. It was more like, uh, I'm not leaving. I've got a phantom collection to, to save. <laughs> uh, I, had a, I had a joke. Uh, How does the phantom collection asking... look once it's been hosed down? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, does it still hold its value? But no, anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's great to be here. Unfortunately, Steve is not here. He has just finished a school camp. And, um, and so as you would be looking after... Lots of teenagers for a couple of days. You're going to be exhausted. Yeah. So um, we decided to let... He's a victim of daylight savings time too because we're recording this yes. um, late for me, um, later than usual for you, which is basically in the middle of the night for Steve. So Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, Stephen sends his apologies, but that just means we might be able to get through things a little bit quicker without uh, someone sitting on the fence. Well, it's good not to have so, any sort of voice of reason on the podcast. We can just <laughs> we can just go at it. That's it. So we're going to fly through things. We're going to at least <laughs> attempt to. So let's start off with the news. Um, now, for those who are keeping us in check and wanted to know what happened with the episode one uh, episode or well, expand episode one hundred winner, which was the uh, competition where people leave a iTunes or a podcast review for us. We have finally posted that about on the website. Um, Dan, do you want to just explain why yeah, there's it's important been a, to say a delay? We've only just posted it on the website. We actually posted the prize um, to the winner <laughs> about five months ago, um, not long after uh, episode 100 came out, because the winner, Finn Mareeks, uh, got in contact with us straight away and we got his address and we posted it to him 
and uh, all was very exciting. And then he sent a photo for us to use with him holding the statue that we put on the website, and it turned out he was about 13 years old. Uh, so, um, which is fantastic. I'm I'm really thrilled that we picked this uh, review on its merit, and it turned out to go to someone who I'm really excited. You know, won that mm. statue, and I, I would I like to think that he'll be 60 and 70, still have that statue, and be stoked about how he won it. Um, but Mate, he might even take over from us when we retire. Oh, more power to him if he does. That'd be sensational. Um, but as, as certainly uh, Stephen and I as teachers are very aware of, um, you know, interacting with minors over the internet yeah, and, uh, and posting their <laughs> images. And so we, uh, we asked for permission. And um, as, as I've said in the post um, that's on the website now, um, unsurprisingly, perhaps after he received his uh, trophy, um, Finn hasn't responded to any more of our emails. So um, we ultimately decided we just needed to post it to, to prove to everybody that we did actually have a prize and we did actually send it and give it to somebody, but we've pixelated his face. So um, anyway, yes, good to have that finally uh, out of the drafts box and uh, onto the page. Yeah, we've got a few in the draft at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the other thing that's rather exciting is... The 22nd Phantom Saga, which a lot of people have enjoyed. I believe it even got a pass mark from uh, probably the harsh, one of the harshest Egmont critics in Dan. Uh, we'll be starting in episode four of 2019. So that's actually the next issue of Phantom Men. Um, now, uh, later on in this podcast, you will hear uh, a review by Mikel Lick uh, on the first three issues and the 22nd Phantom uh, does start again, and we've also seen a prelim cover page designed by Sel Valuto, which I believe is not uh, of cover for 20, uh, 2019. So, so it means we're going to at least get two parts in 2019 of oh, this saga. So the cover that Sal posted with the with Kit and Heloise each wearing one of the Phantom Rings, that's not. Um, I'm led for... to believe that's the case. How, it's interesting, isn't it, about artists post, posting um, images ahead of time. I know there are, there are some publishers who don't enjoy that at all and would rather that everything was kept quiet and uh, mm. that artists didn't know how to use the internet and Facebook and, and Instagram. Cell um, doesn't seem to mind posting things. Yeah, that's true. Um... I'm going to stay out of that conversation. Okay, um. well, it's just, it's just interesting. I think as fans, as fans, sometimes we can see ourselves as the winners because we get to see these things early. Um, I, I have said many times that I prefer to not see the spoilers necessarily. You know, I quite enjoy seeing the process perhaps after the fact. Um, you know, yeah. get the comic in my hand and then and then the artist. And, and some artists are very um, cognizant of that as well and, and they'll wait till the, the book or the cover is released and then they'll flood... And you know, quite, and I'm, I'm delighted to go through and then look at prelim sketches and all the rest of it. Mm. But uh, other artists uh, will do that ahead of time, so I guess it's just a it's, way of doing things. It's, I think it's, I think it's a no-win situation, no matter how you do it. To be truthfully honest, because I, I, I see it from both point of views because I've talked to, and you know, you have as well. We've both talked to both sides of the fence. We've talked to the artists that want to promote their work, want to yeah. show their fans that they've got something coming out so their fans who only buy their work know when to pick up a you know a free comic or a, a Phantom End comic or, or, or whatever. But on the other hand, I know how hard it is 
for the publishers as well, because, you know, we've talked to them as well. So I just think it's a, a no-win situation. No matter what you do, you're never going to please everyone. Um, and it's, you know, like anything, uh, you're only going to hear from people when uh, they're unhappy with something. Yeah, and, and as long as no one hears from King Features, and I guess that's kind of the point, as long as um, yeah. everything's been approved and, and no one hears from them when they're un, unhappy, and I know that's certainly the concern of... Uh, of some people so anyway yeah. it, it's good to see the good to see the cover out there i suppose and um interesting to see that the story is returning um i look as as you said it did get a pass mark from me i, I guess on the query that uh, as as with anything that egmont does for me um i don't like the idea that this is official and this is definitely what's going to happen with the 22nd phantom um well yeah but it doesn't mean that he's dead because it's in the future no 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 point taken yeah but, so um, yeah it could just be like, for instance, the Diana death saga where, you know, Diana was presumed dead, but we all knew she wasn't dead. But, you know... The difference it's... being that that was in the newspapers and so, therefore, um, Phantom Law. So, anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. So it's it, it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to reading it. Hopefully through um, doesn't wait another year or so. Um, and then but maybe they got to wait for all the two, three, four, five parts, whatever, being printed in 2019, and then they can all print them together. And, and um, I do like that. I, I'd rather them hold on to it. If, if um, Egmont are going to do it in issue 4, 8, 12, 16, hypothetically, I'd rather, yeah. I'd rather through wait until, you know, the trilogy or the quartet or, or whatever. Close or the fifth decided. or the yeah. octagon whatever, or whatever you want to call whatever, it. Whatever this stage of the story is, I'd rather them wait until it wraps up the next yeah the next part pump them out in in consecutive issues so yeah i get the feeling that like how they released the first three mm. over a year that's probably what's going to happen with the two three four five parts this year mm. and then i believe that will be kind of like the chapter and then we'll go from there but then you know and again um i really like what fru did because um the last time and that was when jamie johnson did his triptych cover and so you can do yes. cool things like that when you when you publish them consecutively. And um, I know lots of people have enjoyed the poster and, and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. anyway, uh, we, we will wait and see on that one. And we will let people know as we know. Mm-hmm. Okay, best of Fru Awards. So uh, I'm assuming that's for the Fru competition for the best of uh, best story and best cover. I don't know. You wrote it. You wrote the run sheet. Well, I wasn't sure why that was there, to be honest, because we've done a whole okay. podcast. All right. Well, that's yeah, that's all been done. So for those who are not aware, you can go back and read that. Um, the other one to quickly make mention is of the Phantom Met Wake, which I actually thought was a very interesting article um, mm. that you wrote with uh, on with uh, some help from people that actually attended the wake. Mm. Um, it was an interesting read. I think. I think probably the one of the biggest concerns that from someone who's sitting in the other side of the country and maybe I'm a little bit sheltered because the free comics are still coming out, but I kind of get the feeling a lot of them are jumping to negative conclusions. Um, and so I'm, I'm not, it's, it's interesting reading it and interesting reading some of their comments. And it's, it's almost like, do you not, are you not reading what's, been actually put into the newspapers and and on online articles and what the publishers are saying or are you just reading more into it or are you oh. just liking to drum up you know the uh this 
you know, the uh, the negative Nellies and stuff like that. So I thought it was an interesting read. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, as I say, I really enjoyed, um, you know, chatting behind the scenes and interviewing the, a couple of different people who were there and getting their um, their takes on it. Uh, I probably disagree with it hard. Shocking, I know. Um, I, it's hard not to be negative when the yeah. the, the regular publication of a, of a comic in your language um, is gone. And we yes, there are the the chronicles are going to come out for them, and and the, the annuals perhaps are going to still come out. And yes, they can learn or probably do already know how to read Swedish, and they can still read Phantomen and, and um, subscribe to that and all the rest of it. But um, it. I guess twofold. It, 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 there was a lot of negativity, yes, and I understand that because there's a. It's a it was awake. They're mourning the loss of their comic, which had been around for over 50 years. So that's the entire lifetime of most of the people who were there. Um, where there was there did seem to be a bit of optimism about a possible future and a return. I just hope that that's not a um, misplaced optimism and that um, it, it, you know people are ultimately more disappointed when it doesn't end up coming back because it's hard to see it coming back to be blunt so yeah oh yeah I, I don't know it's maybe i come from a little bit more rose tinted glasses because you know i live in australia and i can still read the fandom in english mm. but um so you know i'm fully aware that that is quite possibly the case i just just in reading some of the comments and the outcry and all of that i just think they're um I might just need some of them. Might just need to take a bit of a chill pill and just um just oh. relax. <laughs> okay, but I, I I guarantee you that if Fru collapsed um and stopped publishing um and there were no more Australian comics um but say someone in America started taking it up, we'd still be pretty upset. Even though oh, okay, we can buy the American comics. So. Yeah, but you got to remember that the Phantom Met, while the regular magazine might not be being published, the Chronica is, which is the the, the reprint, slightly yeah. replica issues, so, which we get. So how would Plus, you feel they've if... also... Hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Plus, they've also said that they are going to be releasing a semi-regular trade paperback of news stories and stuff like that as well. So they're still going to be getting one, possibly two regular uh, lines of magazines and stuff. So I, I just like, okay. you know, so... and then... Then what they're going, then they're going saying that this is now, this is the start of the collapse that Phantom at Sweden's going to be closing down and, you know, and Norway was propping up the Swedish comic and stuff like that. There's a, there's a lot of um, outcry, which I think is a little bit premature. Mm, and okay. um, they're just what? kind of fanning, the, fanning the, 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 the sadness a little bit and making it a little bit worse than what I think it really is. Okay, hypothetically, Fru decides to scale right back. They only are releasing the replica series, the countdown to from 200 to 1, and the trade paperbacks that they have, that we've already seen two of. How, how do you feel? Oh, I'll be sad. Yeah, but it's, it's exactly, it's that's, still, that's what you've described. No, 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 what I'm saying is I think they're going beyond being sad. I think they're like... I th- I just that's what that's the point I'm making is I understand them being sad, but I just think some people are going a little bit too far uh, with their sadness and with their um, Nostradamus right. uh, uh, predictions that Phantom, you know, Phantom around the whole world is going to stop publishing all because of Norway, where well, I don't I... really think Norway, at the end of the day, is that was that 
uh, critical to the worldwide publishing. So anyway, our Norwegian listeners, it's been fun having you on board for the last yeah. uh, podcasts, and uh, we wish you well. I understand why you're not going to be tuning in from here on in. <laughs> well, i got no <laughs> comics to read now, so that's probably got something to do with it. Well, I'm not going to tell people how to grieve. Um, I understand where they're at. Um, I don't think we're going to agree on this one. Let's uh, let's move to the next the next item of news. <laughs> yeah, so a bit of sad, probably even more sad news, to be truthfully honest, and probably the saddest news was that Osgun Erlip had uh, passed away, I believe. What episode was it that we were recording when we found out about this? It was our best of, because I, our best of, I was yeah. talking about him as um, an artist that the had impressed artwork, me in yeah. 2018, which was the first time I'd seen his art. And uh, all of a sudden he's gone. And uh, I don't have it on hand. He, he wasn't a young man. Um, no. So it's not it's not uh, a shocking uh, <laughs> tragedy or anything like that. But, um, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. So we heard about uh, that. Um, Andreas Ericsson did a, a lovely little uh, mm. piece. And then we also got a, um, a couple of paragraphs from his... Um, from his niece as well, which uh, was exclusive for Chronicle Chamber as well. So yeah. no, um, we thank, yeah, we thank everyone for that. Um, I'm glad it was perfect timing of through publishing the work through throughout 2018 because it. Hmm. I think a lot more Australians are probably aware of him because of that. Even though the majority of the stories that have been published by Fru were had already been published prior to 2018. I think seeing it was back in the you know 70s and 80s, we kind of forgotten about him. But seeing it fresh, it you know it probably made uh, the passing a little bit more um, uh, heartfelt. So it was perfect timing by Free. Hmm. Okay, so the other bit of news is the best Phantom Men cover for 2018 voting has started. So uh, the beauty about this one, unlike possibly the uh, the best adventure of Phantom Men, is that you do not actually physically have to have the comic to be able to put a vote because a vote for the best cover is all kind of comes down to the way it looks and you don't have to actually physically hold that to be able to have an opinion on it. Hmm. So um, I'd expect there to probably be more votes for this than hmm. the best adventure, like what we saw in the Fruit Awards as well. Hmm. So um, I think a couple of covers, I think, to watch would possibly be the Blood Rain one, which is done by Sal Valudo, uh, the flag-wielding phantom, which I'm sure a few fans will be reminded of that. And quite possibly the um, oh, the one that Cell also did um, of the Phantom uh, in the Cowboys, like the Clint Eastwood outlaw outlaw Josie Wells poster, Josie Wales poster. Mm. It's it's uh, one of the differences um, between this comp and the um, the Fru one is that you can only vote for one cover. So yeah. um, that uh, makes it a, a little bit of a harder decision for people. Mm. Um, have you got any thoughts yet on which one you'll be voting for? Because I, I will vote in this. I didn't vote in the best adventure because I haven't read them, and, and that's not fair uh, for me to vote on those. But um, I'll vote for this because, as you say, I can line them all mm. up and, and see them there. So what, which one are you going with? 
I voted for the flame cover. Um, the flame. It's, yeah, I think it was... Ep- uh, so it's, the story is the flame, which is where the fan, one of the past Phantom meets his wives. Um, oh, I think it was ep- uh, Phantom Man 2 or 3 or 4. Mm-hmm. So right at the start, you got uh, Flame in the girl Phantom outfit having a sword fight with the with the Phantom, and then there's a ship in the background and stuff. That's I've just always liked that cover, so that's the one that I've voted for. Mm-hmm. Um, majority of them are Henrik Selstroms, and um, and uh, there's a couple done by Cell and uh, Matt Matt Matt. Oh, I can't pronounce his name. Uh, he does the colours for sale, and there was one by um, uh, Ruiz oh, as that, well. Uh, I, I know I'm not looking at the page, but it, was it Eugene Martinez yes, or something like that? Yes, that's the one, yeah. Yeah, so just I was actually talking to Henrik uh, Selstrom tonight, uh, and he, he made a couple of points. So I'm just going um, to raise them, which, you know, just little tidbits that I think some people may want to uh, may find interesting. Um, so... Issue 21, or cover 21, is actually not made in the same way as his all of these other covers that he normally does. So I'll be interested to see whether anyone has picked up on the different technique uh, and the different uh, medium that has been used on 21 compared to all the others. So um, you get a, a good mark from Chronicle Chamber if you can pick up what the technique was and what was different about that compared to all his others. So, uh, yeah, have some fun trying to figure that one out. Okay. <laughs> um, Which one did you say? Uh, issue 21 of yeah, 2018. Okay. Yep. Yeah. No, and it does it does look different uh, to the other the rest of the styles, so I'm not surprised. Yep. Yeah, so something a little bit interesting. Um, okay, so the last bit of news before we dig into the comics is that we have heard, and we've, I think we kind of say this every episode, but we have heard that the Lightning Strikes comics, issue one and two, have been posted and will be available in Australia soon. I'm thinking most likely comic book, uh, the places that we know have ordered them and are on their way, which are Phantom's Vault and Kaboom comics. Uh, I would assume they'll probably be available towards the uh, the later end of February. So we've heard that they've been posted. Um, so I would expect, you know, two, three weeks to get, you know, get here and then for comic bookshops to uh, actually get them on the shelf and sort out what they need to and all that. I reckon probably by the end of February, uh, people will be able to pick up issue one and two. We, so that, that will be exciting. Yeah, and we'll certainly be crossing our fingers hard for that because um, you know, where you and I are in a privileged position where we've mm. read these stories on PDF and um, and been able to, to talk about them. And sometimes it's easy to forget that actually the broader Australian community hasn't read these mm. books at all. So I certainly hope that uh, Lightning Strike have been able to sort out the... The issues, that, you know, and, and we need to call a spade a spade. They've they've had some issues with uh, distribution and getting the books actually out to people. We know that yes. there's a, a few American fans that have got their copies, and we know that it's gotten to Scandinavia all right. But yes. for whatever reason, Australia seems to be a bit of a Bermuda Triangle for them in terms of getting their books here. 
Um, mm. I'm, I'm, Which is interesting because we've uh, gotten quite a few Irish people over the years. Yeah. They, they, they can find the country. They just can't um, bring the wolves. Uh, ship, yeah, can't ship to the yeah. country. And, uh, and, and look, uh, it must be said that no one wants to get this sorted out more than the people at Lightning Strike because they know that there's mm. a huge market here and um, they, they want to get the books sold here. So um, yeah. it's not for... It's not for lack of interest, um, but for whatever reason, it just hasn't come together. But anyway, we've got our fingers firmly crossed, and I'm sure that the moment um, a copy of any of those stories gets to Australian shores, it'll be plastered all over social media, yes. and we'll make sure we put up a post as well saying uh, time to hit up Phantom's Fold or Kaboom Comics or um, wherever else might uh, have them. Exactly. So... Um... First of all, we must thank Phantom's Vault and Kaboom Comics for showing the faith and ordering them in, which is the first step. Yep. Um, and so uh, hopefully you, the listener, uh, have not been put off by them and will go out and hit up those stores and get them and read them. And then, um, yeah, because basically the more uh, they sell, the more likely that we're going to be able to see more issues. Mm. Yep. It comes Absolutely. down to that. All right, so All right. speaking of issues. Yeah, how long, how long was that? Uh, I don't know. 20-odd minutes? That's not too bad because we had a fair bit of news. Yeah. I thought we were going to get bogged down for a little while there, but we, got, we managed to get trucking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the first issue we're going to review is through 1828, which is the Christmas special, which has got the uh, amazing fun cover by... Uh, Jeff Weigel of Diana giving the Phantom uh, the ugly Christmas um, jumper, which, yeah, I don't know how practical that is in the middle of um, the jungle, but I'm sure it's probably for a New York visit in Christmas time. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, we, we talked about this cover quite a lot at, um, at length in actually the last comics and news, so um, I don't think we'll have to spend too much long on it. And then we can probably get straight into yeah. the... Yeah, no, for sure. I, I just, on um, looking at it again, you know, the, the thing that strikes me again, I think what the the Kit uh, Jr., just the way he's laughing his head off in the bottom left-hand corner, that, that face just captures me as I look back on it now. And um, I really enjoy the way Jeff has, has drawn Kit there. And I'm not sure how, when we first discussed it, we missed the knitting needles and yarn sitting next to Diana because we speculated about who'd given it to him and quite obviously Diana's knitted the, the jumper for him and, and passed it on. But anyway, um, we've talked a lot about this cover in the past, so let's just talk about the uh, the stories. Yeah, so have we actually reviewed The Curse of Old Man Mons? Because I know we've talked about it a lot. No, I don't think we... Because at that stage we weren't doing the, um, hmm. the newspaper reviews. as they, We've decided, and for listeners, a, a little peek behind the curtains, we've decided that as each um, newspaper story, daily or Sunday, finishes, we'll talk a, we'll do a review on it and, um, you know, uh, and, and talk about it as it finishes. But I don't think we were doing that when this one finished. No. So it was first published between the dates of 13th of March 2017 to the 23rd of September 2017. So... Uh, by the time we're reading this, it was almost published, almost started two years ago. Mm. Um, so, and it went for quite a while. It what, went for March, April, May, June, July, August. You know, it went for seven months. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's quite a long story. It's got the traditional uh, Lee Fork intro, which I think is a great touch with the typewriter. 
Um, and then, you know, it's... Well, this was a, this was a huge story, and, and mm. we were all excited. And it was the third strip um, where... Yeah, um, that's right. We did a podcast with um, John Cookson about, and I think we were, what, about two or three months into it at that stage? Yeah, perhaps. And it was, and we, this was the story that sparked the conversation, should the 21st Phantom die? And, and I think for a lot of people, this was the story that reignited interest in reading the newspaper strip on a daily mm. basis, whether in your paper or on Comics Kingdom. Um, it, it got a lot of people reading it daily again. Yeah, and it's, and it's, um, it's got all the twists and turns. It's got, you know, old man Moz saw it. So that, does that mean it has to happen or is fate going to somehow intertwine? It's got a lot of the legacy, like the swearing of the fan in which, like the legacy law, swearing of the fandom on page 35, mm-hmm. which I think is great because it's kind of a bit of an introduction for new readers. Um, it's got a lot of action, a lot of double panels, and then it's got the, the what would you call it, the intimate moments of Diana and the mm-hmm. Phantom uh, in bed talking and stuff like that as well. So it's it kind of had everything, the yeah. story, and it ref older stories back in like 2016 and stuff like that um so yeah so i i enjoyed it um i must admit i haven't read it since it came out in this issue again just because i think with christmas i think it kind of got lost a little bit no i understand Um, no i'm I have gone back and read it, and I really, I really, I enjoyed it more um, being able to sit down and read the whole thing. And probably what I appreciated more, which I sort of picked up on at the time, but I appreciated more in this printed form. Um, and I guess if you're reading on a daily basis, you read it, you spend probably 20 seconds looking at it, take it in, okay, now I'll go back to work or, or whatever. Um, what I appreciated more the chance to sit and spend some time with it was the artwork of Mike Manley. Um, mm. I think he's done some fantastic uh, work, particularly with capturing the the mysterious or the um, um, the dangerous side of the Phantom. And, and you're absolutely right with those intimate moments with Diana and that sort of thing. Fantastic to see. Um, little things like on page 10, um, you've got the, the Phantom mask just peering through a hole in the wall. Um, there's a lot of dark shadowy phantom coming out of uh just coming out of the shadows and all you can see is the white triangles of his eye mask mm. um i think he's he's captured that really well and then the um the fight scenes are brutal like punching through a wall um the fire in the background um the colors um i'm really pleased that this story was published in color because i think it adds a lot to it yeah and um the the just so much of this story I really, really enjoyed. So um, this is going to be a, a favourite daily of mine for a long time, I think. Yeah, and so what are your thoughts about free? Because uh, this was basically been sitting in the archives for, what, over a year by the time they published it. Do you think they waited too long or...? I, I like what Fru's doing, and, and whether it's by design or by luck... And I'll give them credit, I'll say it's by design, that they are um, 
deciding to do the dailies and the Sundays as a collected Christmas special. That's, it seems to be the yeah. trend of the last couple of years. Um, as you said, this finished in September of 2017. Whether that meant it, it, w- it was too <coughs> late to get into the Christmas special of that year, um, yeah. because there were other Sundays and, and dailies to get into the 2017 Christmas special, I don't mind. Um, it, it was worth the wait. And yep. and, I, and I love the idea of the Christmas special being one that you can pick up and um, and is a, a collection of the newspapers. Yep. No worries. So the next story is uh, a Sunday story, which is Sunday 185, or the 185th Phantom Sunday story. This was um, also written by Tony DePaul, and it was uh, done by Terry Beatty and also Jeff Weigel. So this was the first time we had seen Jeff, Mm. And then this was when uh, uh, Terry stepped aside. So these are the da- between the dates. The 9th of April, uh, 2017, is when it started, and it finished in the 1st of October in 2017. So again, this is in colour. Now, it must be said, the colour between the Sundays and the dailies are slightly different in the sense that uh, when Mike Manley submits his artwork, it's in black and white, and the colouring's done by someone else, i.e. on the KFS staff, mm. where the colours for the Sundays, i.e. Terry Beatty and then Jeff Weigel, it is all, the colours are actually done by them. So, um, it, you know, some people will argue that the colours are a little bit better in the Sundays, and that will be the reason why. Yeah, well, I would agree with that because the colours in the dailies, as, and, and I did enjoy them, as I've just said, so I'm not t- taking a backward step from that, but they, they are um, less vibrant, I suppose, and, and possibly less, um, what's the word, less blended. They, they seem to be more distinct. Okay, this is, this. it's the artist knowing exactly what colour he wanted, um, mm. whereas the... The dailies are probably, you know, muted colours of orange and, and purple for, for dark and that sort of thing. Anyway. So, this was famous that it took, it took about, was it one, two, three, four, or five weeks before Jeff actually got to draw the Phantom. Um, I'm not yeah. sure if people remember, but we, we made a comment of that in our podcast with him. Hmm. Another um, interesting seeing, can part... I, just on that, though, seeing it as a collected story, I think that really helps the transition between artists because the Phantom is the character that you really notice how it's been, how he's been depicted. Mm. And because you've flipped over five pages, um, it, it's actually a reasonably... And I'm sitting, sitting here looking at page 52 and 53, which is 52 BD, 53 Weigel. Um, and it's a reasonably seamless transition. Yeah. So I yep. think that I think that probably helped the transition. If we if it had been mm. mid action scene, um, I think it would have been uh, quite jarring. Yep. But hmm. that's a good point. One thing that I want to make mention of is on page fifty seven with the um, oh what what is that called? It's a statue of a um, patrolman. Of Zorro. a patrolman. Uh, I don't think it's patrolman Zocco, but it has been. Um, it's at the end of the Phantom Trail, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. But it's been um, it's been drawn in daily. It's been drawn in newspaper stories, and it's also been done in Egmont stories as well. So, mm. I was at the last was at the last podcast we did. We were talking about the elements that have been in both of them and how mm. Tony Dupont has 
yeah. merged a lot more than, than quite possibly before. So mm. um, I just thought that was an interesting point. Yeah. Um, as um, as we've been talking about that, it was fresh from a recent conversation. And Garan's Sleeping Dust um, uh, comes back. Um, I wonder if I can get some of that and use it for my daughters. <laughs> yeah. the, the image at the top, the, the strip on the top of page 68, um, there's a long panel strip of the Phantom on Hero with Devil. Yeah. Um, I love that. I'd love to see that as a poster or a print. or mm. um, that, That's just a really stunning picture. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah, it really shows that Jeff did step into the character really, really quickly. And yep. uh, I, I really like his artwork. I really do. His faces are a lot more detailed compared to a lot of other um, artists. Yes. And his depiction of Devil actually looks like a wolf as well, which also yes. helps. Yes. Uh, he's not like an overgrown um, German shepherd. Yeah, with it, which which was the case for, well, probably 60 years um, of, of Phantom, really. Yeah. Also, the other thing that I like about this story is the dark tones. Like, it's all happening at night, so you've, mm. got, the, you've got the moon, you've got the big full moon, which is casting the shadows. You've mm. got the skull, which is propped up and it's on fire. Mm. That panel that you made mention and stuff like that as well. There's another similar one on... Uh, the top right on page 67, which is the phantom and devil yep. running through the jungle, and you've got the moon in the background. Um, then you've also got another one on page 69 where you've got the moon behind the phantom, and all you see is the eyes and then just, you know, the outline of the moon. And it's it really gives the impression that, you know, this phantom does his good, you know, does some of his best work hunting people mm. in the middle of the jungle at night time. And not only is he going to uh, mark them for life, he's going to, like, mark them um, emotionally for life as well. Yeah, and you can see that in um, on page 72 where one of the roughnecks is, uh, or they've all, they've all gathered again in the back of the yeah. first van and they're retelling their stories and they all think that they were captured by the Phantom simultaneously and it can be everywhere, and hence the name of the story, the Phantom is everywhere. And yeah. uh, the way he retells it, the Phantom is just a, a monstrous beast and, and uh, Weigel's captured that imagined horrific Phantom really mm. well too. So, And that's how, that's some of the things that I loved about some of our Lee Falk stories is where they would talk about the legends of the Phantom and like, for instance, I think one of them was, uh, was it the Blue Giant? I think it was, which was the Cyberry story or, or something like that where he's fighting that alien one. And at the end of the story, it's the Phantoms like Superman flying through the air and mm. with, with the arms out in front of him, ripping through this this beast and stuff like that. Because that's how, you know, uh, jungle stories, are, jungle laws and uh, stuff yeah. is kind of portrayed yeah. because people ex ex exaggerate it. Well, he does something pretty incredible and then it gets exaggerated from there. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. No, really enjoyed it. So the last story is the daily uh, is another daily story, which is the 248th Phantom Daily Story, and it's again written by Tony DePaul and drawn by Mike Manley. Now this is the return of the Locust. Now the Locust, I um, 
the locust, I think, was from a Egmont story, I believe. Okay. I'm going to have to look that one up. I believe it was done by a Tony DePaul Egmont story. Um, You've got me there. We're, we're now both on Phantom Wiki, I'm sure. Uh, the locust god. Oh, okay. Um, no, maybe it wasn't. No, there's there the was... adventures... The Locust Maybe God is an... the 211th Daily Story, which was back in the... Tony DePaul, but George Olsen and Keith Williams. Yeah, there was... Maybe it wasn't that one, but I'm pretty sure Tony DePaul also did... Yeah, I'm pretty sure there was a Egmont story about the Locust as well, so... Um, well, Yeah, so it's definitely that Daily Story, but... Yeah, I'll have to look into that one, because... The, but, Phantom, um, yeah. the Phantom Wiki entry for The Locust does not exist. So there's a whole a gap there. Someone, if you know what Jermaine's talking about and you can identify <laughs> that um, Egmont story, um, jump on Phantom Wiki and create a The Locust page for us. Um, you'll need to reference daily number 211 and daily number 248. Um, and then whatever Egmont story exists. Mm. Now, I must admit, I didn't enjoy this story as much as the last one as the um, Curse of Old Man was and some of the other ones that we've seen as well. It's, um, I enjoy the interactions with the guy at the diner. Yep. Um, on page 82 and, you know, 83 and 84 and stuff like that. But I don't know, like, you know, you can't fault the story. I mean, you can't fault the artwork. The art's great. The fandom's doing, you know... Phantom things. Phantom <laughs> things and stuff like that. But the whole... Um, you know, Doomsday Cult with it uh, um, being from aliens from another planet. Um, I don't know. It didn't... It. I struggled to get into this story. And then, like, when all the people jumped off the cliff and disappeared because of the locusts and all that, yeah, it. I'm, I must admit, it was not my most favourite story by Tony DePaul. Yeah, look, I can't argue with that. I um, I, I tend to agree. It was, it's a, it's not as strong as the other two stories. Um, the Phantom is everywhere is fun for all the sort of reasons that we've we've said, and it establishes some, you know, uh, it, well, it draws on some Phantom traditions as we've talked about about creating legend. Um, Old Man Moz. I mean, it, it's going to be almost impossible to back up from the curse of Old Man Moz. It was such a great yeah. story. Um, the Return of the Locust, yeah, not not quite as strong, but um, if I, and I haven't got it up immediately, but surely Daily 249 must be just about um, the Reckoning of the Nomad, was it? So um, we get straight back into some gold after after this one. Yeah, but, you know, you can't, you can't win them all, unfortunately. Not even people who end up 10th and 11th on our... Uh... Yeah. On our best list, uh, you know, even the person at number one, uh, Lee Fork, had a lot of dud stories as well. Fair. Yeah, so 249 was The Reckoning with The Nomad, 250 was Kit's Letter Home, and 251, which is Halise Comes Home, which is a story that the we... Current. In current. Exactly. Yeah. So, that's issue... So, overall, as an issue... I think it was it was really good um, because it, it ticks the boxes. It, it it gathers the newspaper stories. It brings us up to date because Reckoning of the Nomad and Kit's Letters Kit's Letter Home 
we'll go neatly into the next one maybe with Heloise returns home we don't know if that's going to wrap up in time of course the rat must die is going to have to fit in there somewhere which is a long well. one as well it was a year of Sundays, so that is a long story as well. So whether the mm. whether they can fit it all in the next Christmas special or perhaps um, Heloise Comes Home has to hold off. I don't know. What's your thought? If Heloise Comes Home wraps up, say, mid-year, and so there is Reckoning of the Nomad, Kit's Letter, Kit's Letter Home, and Heloise Comes Home, uh, Returns Home, whatever it is, um, if they're all available, would you like to see the three of them gathered or one of them miss out so that the rat must die can get in? I don't know if the three of them, or all of them, any of them, can actually fit all together. Uh, the Reckoning of the Nomad was, that was February to November, so you're looking at, you know, 10 months. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what did we say? The Old Man Moz was, how long did we seven, say the Old Man Moz? Yeah, so March, April, May, June, July, August, September, yeah, seven, so that's an extra three months of the reckoning of the no man which is pretty much probably the um sunday story mm. and then you gotta remember this is already 108 pages yep which um, is about the return of the, of the locust was yeah and or any, anywhere between 100 to 116 i guess yeah for, and then the return of the locust was only september to february which is what september october november december january february that's six months um so i don't it will be a push to get the reckoning of the nomad kit's letter home and heloise comes home in one issue Oh, yeah, maybe. We'll see. Because I feel like, well, what reading the current Heloise Comes Home, it, it can't be too much longer because they're literally about to get on a plane at, at the time of recording, early February. Um, the the paperwork's been signed. They're about to get back on the plane and, and fly home, leave America. So it might wrap up in the next week or so. And we don't have any advance information about this one at all. Um, mm. it, it, it would seem that it wraps up then, in, in which case you probably could get all three and and for my for my vote, I'd have those three, and maybe the rat must die gets published as a separate story, or even holds off until um, twenty twenty Christmas. Yeah, I don't know. I I I agree that in an ideal world, the three of those would go together. I just don't know if there's going to be enough pages for that mm. to happen. I'm looking at some of the previous ones in the last four or five years the next shortest one was five months Mm -hmm. so unless we're going to have two short ones at a time i.e kit's letter home which was what a month it was the shortest uh, daily story ever so that and then you have another short one which bucks the trend of what tony's done for the last five you know five years yeah. i don't think we're going to be able to fit them in unless i suspect it'll happen know. because they're both especially this one is a resolution story like we've had the main plot this is mm. just the resolution at the end it's but you gotta remember if you if you keep blowing this out in color the cost is going to go up like for 100 oh, yeah. pages you're paying 12 bucks which yeah and i know you know i know it's you, we don't we don't like comparing against the good old days and stuff, but twelve bucks used to get you three hundred pages. Yeah. Um. So you know, if it goes blows out to a hundred and thirty, hundred and forty, hundred and fifty pages, are people willing to pay fifteen bucks for that at Fair Christmas enough. time? 
Well, Dudley, the challenge is there for you. It's all laid out. Those we've we've put in our requests. Um, we want everything, and we want it for not much. So yeah, what we were talking about before? We were talking about it's a it's a you know a job where you know you, it's a bit of a hard job, and you're never going to please everyone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think they're in a, a no-win situation with these stories. Luckily, it's the only happen. other option <laughs> is that they um, if they can't do them all in one. They need to release them fairly close to each other. Like, for instance, yeah. maybe do the Reckoning with a Nomad as a single issue and then put The Rat Must Die and the other plus two, the other two dailies together, the you know, within an issue or two. So, yeah. you know, they're within like a month of each other. You know, that's possibly the other way. Or maybe they do a Phantom Annual all about The Nomad. Perhaps. And they can fit Speaking all of annuals, of them in we there. need to get to that. We, uh, we've, we've probably talked about that story, issue for longer than we expected. <laughs> I hope this isn't a sign of things to come. <laughs> okay, through 1829. So this, I love this idea. Uh, it's a little bit of a Rex special. Uh, people, most people like Rex. I like Rex. I think towards the end when he became a bit of a pampered prince, he became a bit annoying. But um, I think that's probably down to more poor storytelling than uh, than the way he sh- he was originally intended. Just, but these just, two, he's a character that ran out of um, plot lines really because he was, yeah. the, you know, once he became the prince and had inherited the kingdom. And in this these two stories, we see him do that, and we see him meet and fall in love with a girl. So that storyline's done, and we see him. Um, overcome people who are trying to usurp him and take his throne. So that storyline's been done once. You could probably do it another couple of times. But oh, the storyline's been done. Every time we've seen Rex since he's taken over yeah. the ruler, he's just always becoming an issue. It reminds me of Diana. It just becomes, you know, Diana and Rex were originally depicted as strong people, people that could look after themselves, people that were resourceful, that were, you know, that were solid characters, and then they just became a crappy, flimsy, uh, damsel in distress type right, of character. I feel like, I feel like we could have another whole. I feel like we could have another whole podcast just on me disagreeing with that assessment of Diana, but um, I would agree with you in that assessment of Rex to a point. As I say, I just think that that's a character whose time has finished. I think it was a really good character. I mm. like Rex, but I think he's been written to the end of unless. And well, you'd need to be a smarter man than me, and this is why I'm not a fandom author. I'm, I'm a fandom critic instead. Um, to me, I think that character has has come to the end of his journey, and and that's fine. You know that that happens with um, stories that have this 83 year continuity. So um, yeah, I, I like I, I'm with you. I like the idea of this story. I like the idea uh, of this issue. Sorry, putting two Rex stories together. It was mm. great to see some fantastic Cyberry art. Um, which where are that when are they from 1986 and I'm um, just flicking through to find. I think it's the early 90s, 93. I think it was 92, 86 oh. and 92. So not um, not too far apart, but um, and, and right near the end of size run, I suppose. And and probably George Olsen is starting to to really have his influence there. Um, 
but yeah, to have the and that's kind of when Rex wrapped up as a character. To be honest, I don't know that mm. uh, after Cyberry that we've had a lot of Rex. And and as I say, I'm happy enough with that. I think but, we had one other Rex story uh, in a daily story, and then there was a couple Egmont ones as well. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, he maybe it's. I like the idea of him coming back with a bit of the Rex special. Um, mm, now, yep. the reason why this has happened is because the next issue, which we won't be reviewing at the moment, has actually got Rex coming back. Which next issue? The, oh, the next the issue. 1832. Okay. Well, there you go. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Um, so just so you're aware, you've got uh, Rex has come back in a daily story. So he's written by Lee Fork once more. Uh, and then he's been done by three times by Tony D. Paul. Uh, Tony, yeah. Uh, so Tony's done him in three other stories. Okay. And then he's been in a couple of, um, uh, a couple more Team Phantom End stories, um, as well. So there was, um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven more stories after these ones. He's been mentioned in as well and been in stories as well. So he's been around, but majority of the time he tends to be a bit of a, uh, a secondary figure that, I don't know, most people seem to have fallen out of love with. So I hope that 1832, which is a new story by a new uh, writer. Um, Who has seen a hole that I haven't seen and has gone, well, this character's not dead to me and I'm I'm ready to continue his journey. So... As I say, it, I hope he proves us wrong. Smarter, smarter minds than mine, and uh, look. And uh, he's one of the few fans that I'm, or the few uh, fans slash creators that I'm scared of as well. So I will not <laughs> be saying to his face that he's done a crap job. <laughs> well, that remains to be seen. Um, probably the, <laughs> the single, the single best element of this story, though, and the and or this issue, I should say, and the thing that got it's everyone buzzing immediately. The cover, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Now, we had mention of this cover uh, in the last Comics and News as well when we talked about the fact that uh, Glenn has, well, he Glenn said Lumsden, to us. we should say. Yeah, Glenn Lumsden. He said to us, and then and he's since said, since this cover has come out, that he believes this is his best cover, best Phantom cover that he has done yet. And some of the elements he loves is the, is the water, just the way the whole water action scenes has happened, as well as the cats um, and the clouds with the with the castle in the background and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's he's done well making the phantom and the the lion at the front really pop with the dark jungle background. And it's and, a really dynamic image. Mm, like you can it, you can just feel the movement in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly the movement. It's not you know it's not like the phantoms carved out of rock he's you know fluid he's you know it's almost 3d in the sense that you can almost see the phantom moving Mm. as you're looking at the cover and we know that doesn't happen but just feel what i'm trying to say so yeah glenn's done a very good job um we've had some great covers so far this year because you've got one you know 1828 which Featured quite highly in our. Well, that was the that was last year, so. Yeah, 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 but that featured quite highly in the votes. I think it was the top ten from memory. Yes. And then. Eight, something like that. 
Yeah, 1829, which is the first of the year, and then you've got 1830, which we'll get into now, which is the through 2019 Well, just, just before we move to that, just my only qualm about the colour is... Um, the the grey? The grey. and the, You over the grey? Uh, not, not necessarily, not over the grey as such, and, um, and and the bike shorts as well. I, I think that that's, that's not the... The traditional um, DTs, I suppose, if you want to say the the um, the style of um, the striped underwear on the outside, it's just I, I like the grey, for instance, on the um, um, giant size phantoms that Glenn's been doing, and I and I completely take the point that, uh, and I think Glenn himself, Glenn Lumsden himself, may have made this on social media about um, lots of the pre. Six seven hundred era frues featured a, a phantom that was far more grey than purple, and that's yeah. Looking back on them, that's true. Um, but to yeah, I, I prefer a purple purple phantom. You're over it. Um, well, I don't know that it belongs on a regular issue. Is all I'll say. Yeah, you know what? We might have to get him on a podcast, and you can quiz him on that. Oh, I would be happy. I'd love to do that. I'd love to have a chat with Glenn Lumsden. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> okay, so can we go to the 2019 annual, yep. or do you want to uh, talk no. about St. Kells? No, that's good. Okay. <laughs> so the 2019 annual is issue 1830. Uh, it's uh, 212 pages. Uh, in Australia, it was $17.50. And... Um, one of the points that we made was that it's probably the the one that's probably the smallest annual in the sizes, but also in the number of stories as well, in the size of pages. Yeah, so. not so much the size of pages, because they've mostly been around the 200 to 12 mark, probably for the last five or so years. But to have Yeah, we well, remember, remember we did a little analysis. I think it was the last... Uh, sub 300 pages was back in 2000. The last time they were over 300 pages. Over 300 pages. So yeah. for the last 18, 19 years, they've all been sub 300 pages. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, everybody remembers that the Phantom Annual was over 300 pages and cost $10. And that's because yeah. the first two or three, that was where it was, and that was fantastic. And, and we still it. think the comics are $1.50 dollar fifty. Dollar fifty. that's right. <laughs> so look, in terms, I, I, I'm not... And everything costs 20 bucks to buy. Exactly. Well, that remains true. And uh, and I'll fight anyone who wants to tell my wife otherwise. <laughs> um, no, no, I, it was a bit of... I, I think I might have said this. It's just very tongue-in-cheek that it's only five stories. And, and, of course, that's because 100 or more of those 212 pages are one single um, story. So yeah. I, it's, it's not a complaint at all. It's just a, a witty observation. Yeah. Perhaps um, not that witty. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I... Like, you and I, we've discussed it, but I haven't heard anyone whinge or moan about it only being five stories and only being 212 pages. I think they've done a... I think this is probably... I think I think in the last 20 years, there's been three annuals that I've been really excited about. This one, the Girl Phantom Annual, and the, two, uh, the 2000... Year 2000 annual, which was uh, when Fru opened up and gave everyone kind of like a a vote to vote for what stories were going to go in the annual. 
uh, and it was all like the Ray Moore classic stories. So they're the three annuals that I've enjoyed the most in the last, probably in the last 25 years. Um, and so for the new free crew to get two of those three in the last three years, you know... Well, you'd, you'd have to say that, you know, the main guy of the free crew should probably be in your top 20 most uh, influential <laughs> people, yeah. Anyway, just saying. <laughs> I had him at 21. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He had him at 19, so it's not that far apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure you had him at 21. <laughs> Uh, no, I think I had Billy Zane at 21, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Hello to Billy. <laughs> um, but yeah, now just getting back to the annual, we have done a, a, a video review of this online, uh, um, which went for about 15 minutes and, uh, it's gotten quite a lot of views and a lot of feedback. Um, uh, so feel free to have a bit of a look at that. But in the meantime, uh, Dan, do you want to go through it? Seeing people have already heard my opinions, and you go through it, and then I'll just throw some stuff in as you go. Sure. Um, look, we, we'll start at the cover. Um, okay, the concept. The, the concept of the Phantom at War um, is intriguing. Um, I'm, I'm not sure whether I anticipated it as much as what you're saying you did, but I certainly have enjoyed it. Um, there's no doubt about that. Um, the, the cover is fantastic. I think, um, Wendell Cavacante, and I hope I've got, got that close to accurate Wendell, um, has done a fantastic job. I love the way, um, clearly he's had a, a heads up in terms of which stories are going to be in the book and he's incorporated, um, uh, basically a montage of the Phantom from every one of those stories, um, which I, which I, which I really enjoyed, um, including, the, and, and we're going to talk at depth, I think, about the it tolls for the Vietnam story. I think but, fly through the others, and then that way we yeah, can spend that, more time on, on the two one. news stories. Yeah. Um, so, which is going to be a challenge for Dan? Which bit? To fly through the other stories. Well, okay, it is a little bit because um, the fan goes to war. There's a lot to talk about in terms of that story, and. Um, Every time we... Well, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. Um, you, are you saying there's not? No. I'm just laughing at your uh, struggles to be able to say just a little bit. Fair enough. Um, okay, but no, so, you're right. So the Phantom Goes to War. I sat down and I read this in a single sitting, in, and I hope lots of people did because that's, I think, a, a really good way to do that. In, I know it's a daily story. Um, I haven't looked at it. Probably will tell me here exactly how many months or pages, weeks I went for it. No, it doesn't. I can't see that. But um, it's a hundred and something pages, and it must have gone for over a year. You'll look that up and, and tell me while I'm. Well, I'll tell you. Yeah, I'll tell you that while you keep, while I keep uh, talking. talking. Um. What what I was looking for, I think, when I read this is an awareness of um, everybody says the Phantom Goes to War is a product of its time and you have to read it through that lens and it's horribly racist and it's a propaganda piece, etc., etc. And what I found, look, try and look at it through that lens, yes it's, yes, it's a piece of propaganda. I counted at least seven or eight um, little 
uh, buy war bonds and that sort of thing, which appeared in the strips, and they mm. were, were well placed. That wasn't that wasn't a. To be fair, that's not that wasn't a a, a Fork or Ray Moore uh, no. thing. That was actually done by the newspapers. Yeah, of course, and um, and I think they actually did that quite cleverly in a sense. It was by someone who actually was following the story because it was at times where they were saying. Um, we need money to fight the war, and there was a buy, buy war bonds picture in the in the corner. Mm. So um, that was it's actually well placed, and I think you've just got to you know you understand that 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 was what was going on at the time. It was it was produced in 1942 um, and 43, I think 41 and 42. Yeah, second uh, of February 1942 to the 9th of January 1943. So it was literally like 50, uh, 48 weeks or or something yeah. like that. And, and for a daily, that, that's a, yeah. obviously a very long time. Um, the, the now, do race... you actually think it's that racist? Yes, in part. I, th- I you know, uh, I think the writing, no. I think the artwork, yes. Yeah. Um, and because in some places, with the, writing... the way the, the the Japanese are depicted, which is, yeah. Not just the Japanese, the um, the Africans as well, and the Bandar. Garan is actually portrayed as a very. Um, did I write down the pages? Um, no, I didn't. I didn't write down the pages. But okay, if you look at page twelve, um, just open it up randomly. We've got um, Chief Bigwind. I think his name is. Yeah, Thin Bird, and, and yeah. Yeah, chief with the big lips and the the, yeah, big lips and and just the the grotesque features, which were very characteristic of um, Mm. uh, minstrel and that sort of thing at the time. Even Garan, if you look at him in the middle uh, at the top of page Mm. eleven, similar thing as well. So I think to me that's almost as offensive as the by modern standards. um, That's almost as offensive as the depictions of the Japanese, who are all huge teeth and um you know that sort of thing so i i think that um ray moore's depiction of those characters that's what makes this story racist i think the writing um i think the writing is actually quite respectful in places because it talks about um yes they talk about them being japs all the time but that's the language of the time um they use nips a lot, but the very first time that's used, they are the warriors of Nippon, and the and, and that comes back a few times, and that was what they called themselves. So I think that um, it, it probably wasn't as racist as everybody remembers it to be. And if you read it, yeah, I don't know. It's, what are your thoughts? Is that is that well, where you were? I also read Commando comics. Now, in my opinion, and people may call out that I'm. Might say that I'm more um, biased towards the Phantom comics, but I think that this story is nowhere nearly as racist as a majority of Commando comics that are still being published and printed today. Hmm. Um, and one of the problems that I have with the Commando comics, and this is this was my concern, that I made quick mention of this in the video and. One of the problems, one of the concerns I had with the news stories was how they were going to depict war. And the thing that I loved about all of these stories, and it's a huge hats off to uh, Paul Mason and Peter Erson, is the way that they did not glorify war at all. 
And none of these stories glorified war, unlike, in my opinion, what Commando Comics do. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, even Lee Fawkes, The Phantom Goes to War, doesn't glorify yeah. it. Um, there's lots of deaths, and, and, and that's probably um, that's probably as much... And the, the racist um, depictions and, and images are obviously there. Um, but... but I think that's more comes down to... Uh, and I don't know. I, I don't know whether I'm going to get caught out for this, but people may say that uh, you know the uh, the concept of the time, or you know the way things were back then. But I also think it's. I think people were a lot. You know, I don't think we were as educated as. Um, no. And and the, and uh, I don't think people realised just how racist they were actually being by the no. way they drawled them back then. Absolutely, absolutely not. And, I, and I'm not for a moment saying that Ray Moore, for instance, was racist. Uh, I'm just saying that this is how things were drawn at the time and that's unfortunate and mm. we are more educated now. And I think, but my point is, I guess, this same story, whether drawn by Moore or somebody else, um, without those character characterizations of the mm. jungle folk and of the Japanese, um, because Ray Moore draws a, a handsome... Um, Captain Mel or Horton and a um, and a beautiful Diana, so he can draw good-looking people. He's just chosen to draw those other two um, groups of people as quite ugly. So yeah. Um, now, if you look at the beginning and then if you look at the end, there's definitely a different way the uh, the natives the yeah. have been drawn or the Africans have been drawn. The lips are a lot smaller, and yep. some of the other uh, the racist features. Yes. Um, and 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 I hope people who listen to this who may be getting a little bit upset, I hope you just realise that, you know, this is two white boys talking. Yep. We don't we do not fully understand it because we're white and we come from uh you know we come from a majority where we live. Mm. Um so, you know, I hope people just you know, just if you're getting upset, just please calm down. We're you know just, yeah, please don't get upset. And if you oh, are getting yeah. upset, we are sorry, but we're, that's not our intention. No. I do not think that The Phantom Goes to War is is overtly racist compared to other stuff that came from that time mm. and also stuff that is still being produced today mm. in the, when of stories of that era. Mm. And, uh, look, even the, the, the depiction of what the Japanese did and how they were horribly nasty um, captors... Um, to their prisoners, that's well documented. Um, that's historically accurate. So it's, yeah. but it's not. And I'm not saying that grossly, that's Japanese. It's not grossly like shown either. No, no. If, right. if that, anything, that... uh, Lee Fork has has sanitised the truth yeah. and almost done the Japanese a favour by the way he depicted them in this story. Yeah, yeah. And and we're talking about obviously individual Japanese soldiers in that situation and, and not broad-brushing Japanese people, etc. Yes, yes. All right. The next story, mate. Oh, well, I'm sure that was handled really, really well and we'll get no complaints. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Well, no, I think I think we did that right. Um, well, I, I do think... As, that, as I, much as you can. Yeah, and I, I do genuinely think that people who look back at this story and go, oh, that's a, a horribly... Uh, horrible depictions and that sort of thing... Probably need to stop and actually go back and read it because it's not. Well, you're as telling bad. people that uh, people that get upset over over little things need to actually stop and think. 
Right. And, if that, and actually, if that and happened, actually go back and read what they are complaining about, yes. If, if, <laughs> if that happened, uh, people wouldn't have anything to write about on Facebook. I'm, I'm as, as a Phantom fan, and I and remove race completely from this now, I'm actually quite offended by the fact that the Phantom kills so many people um, because it's been shown, in, because that's not part of his character. Um, I get it, it's war, and, it may, and he yeah. makes the point that it's war and that sort of thing, but... Uh, I would yeah. argue that the whole law of not killing people didn't come until probably uh, Wilson McCoy. Because if you look throughout the first couple of story, you know, the first dozen years, there's quite a few times where the Phantom kills. Where mm-hmm. if you look past the Phantom goes to war, which is when McCoy took over, mm-hmm. the Phantom doesn't kill. Now, whether that's just ironically after McCoy or whether it's when Lee Fork had a change of attack or whatever, yeah. I'll let people read into that how they will. But I don't, I don't think I've seen the Phantom kill f- from this story, from after this story. That would be, I think that's pretty accurate, yeah. And that's just, a, a, that's without doing any research at all. And, yeah. you know, yeah. please, if you've that's got something vibe. to prove me wrong please tell me because yeah. I'll be intrigued by that as well. A couple of other things that I had from that story, and we'll be very quick, but um, in terms of it being a sign of the times, you've only got to look at page 76 and the way that um, the Phantom uh, delivers artificial respiration, he calls it, um, to uh, Captain Horton and brings him back to life. He lays him on his stomach and pumps his arms for hours, they say, so that uh, he can start breathing again. And uh, we would know today that that's absolutely not the way you deliver CPR and you've got no hope of bringing someone back from the dead if that's what you're going to do. Um, the the other things that I noticed, and uh, it just speaks to phantom law, I suppose. Um, on page 42, the phantom shoots and hits a machine gun, I think it was, and, yep. um, and it's called the lucky shot. And uh, whether that's one of the first times that we see the Phantom shooting the, the weapons out of someone's hand or not, I'm not sure. It must be pretty early in the piece. Um, and on page 94, Diana mentions that that's the first time the Phantom has ever said, I love you or anything like that to her. So I, without, again, without doing any research, it would be interesting to know if genuinely this was the first story in which the Phantom says, I love you to Diana. And if for nothing else, that would be uh, historically significant in their relationship. Mm. Where does the wooden table come from? I'll let people. <laughs> yeah. I'll let no. people. We're not going to go there. But I'll just I thought throw that, that too. One out. That was a a, a um, the narrator had dug himself into a hole and said, "Oh, they've got a wooden table in the middle of the jungle." Okay, so lost on the Phantom Trail. Yes. Now, random question: Would this okay. be the most published by free Semic slash Egmont story? You reckon? How many other Egmont Semic stories do you know that have been published three times? Is it? It's three, is it? Uh, yep. That would that would put it up there. That would put it. I up can there. only think of one more story that has been published three times, and that will be Jewel in Venice. I think it was um, part two. I believe it might be, which was. Um, which was published in through one one two five. So let me pick up that one quickly. Do a quick one. Hmm. Uh, the battle on Malta. Sorry, I believe it might be. 
which has been published three times also. Julian, so Julian Venice Part 2, The Battle of Malta, which was published in 938, uh, in 1125, and also in 1742. So that's two Egmont slash Semic stories that have been published three times by Frew. So I you're not... saying that this story should not have appeared in this issue because no, it's already I love been reprinted twice? I've... You know, this is probably... I, I really enjoy this story, and it's very... And it's a great story. I but just, we've already seen it twice before, so why should it be reprinted? Well, I don't think there's any other stories that probably could take its place. Well, if we're talking about a compendium of war stories, then um, this is set in war, and so therefore it belongs. Yes. I think it was an inspired choice. Because well, inspired, it had... It might be a bit... Uh, no, it. I think it's. I, th I think it's appropriate. I don't know if it's inspired. No, I think it's an inspired choice because it is probably as strong as um, writing against uh, the the walls as uh, Reekham and uh, Paul Mason's story, where the Phantom's very vocal about. Um, what fighting and power and war and all that type of stuff can do. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I would stick by my fact that I think it was an inspired choice to include inspired this story. Inspired or it's, it's just a... An appropriate, whatever you want to go, but I think it was a good choice. <laughs> or one of the few choices they've got in terms of let's look for stories of the Phantom in war. 1982, so this was first published by uh, Semek in Scandinavia in 1982, and that puts it at the tail of that sort of period that um, Robert Amman was telling us about, where um, these sorts of um, philosophies, I suppose, which is exactly what you've told us about there, about um, being steadfast about the futility of war and the stupidity of war, um, and that fits right into, the, I guess, the political leanings of, of Sweden at the time. Mm. Okay. So you got yeah, any no, random thoughts, or do you want to move on? No, no random thoughts on that one. I enjoyed it. It is a good story, and, and the uh, the image of the of the Phantom with the flaming bow and arrow, which I'm, has featured on um, covers before, and, and and again on the back cover of this one, it's a it's a classic um, image, and and this whole this whole story speaks to um, the art of Lebanon and and how good it is. Yes, completely agree. All right, now it tolls for the now for the. Those people who haven't seen it on uh, Facebook, do you want to tell us a little bit about why that? What's so special about this title? Uh, it tolls for thee. I'm, I'm not sure I have seen it on <laughs> Facebook myself. You've caught me on the hop there. Uh, yeah, okay, that's a bit awkward. Um, <laughs> no, you tell me. Why, why is the title uh, special? No, I can't remember. No, there's. Um, it. I think from memory, it had something to do with. Um, uh, a song or something. That, that I was about to say song. So Paul uh, Mason has been... He's, he's one of those artists who waits until it's published and then unloads on Here's My Process. Mm. And, um, and I really enjoy that. And one of the things that um, he shared in terms of his process was the music that he was listening to as he drew. And he um, immersed himself in... The, the music of the time, contemporary music from Vietnam War era. And uh, I feel like you're right. I feel like uh, Tiles for Thee might be one of the songs he was listening to at the time. Yeah, Pig Breath, I think it is. 
Um, Take your word for that one. I'm just looking. Oh my gosh. Uh, first two lines. It's very interesting. Uh, if that is the song that you're listening to, Paul, a very interesting choice of songs. First two lines. Um, yes. I'll let people Google that while they're listening to this. I do not want to make mention of those two lines because otherwise we have to change the explicit, <laughs> explicit rating on our podcast. Okay. Um, so the story. Um... I loved, for me, there's a couple of things that I've loved about it, including the whole fact that he he very cleverly trod that fine line of the whole war, which was such, you know, every war's horrible, but this war, there was no winners, no losers, there was no good guys, oh, there was no, no bad guys. Everyone was so, a loser. Yeah, but the other, so I loved that. The other thing that I loved was the second page, which is the little write-up with the coffee stains and the documents and stuff like that. It, it, it enabled the whole story to be set spe- using one page rather than having to use four or five pages, which meant more artwork, more, you know, more stuff to be edited, more pages in the comic and stuff like that. And it's, it was done very cleverly. And, um, I, yeah, I liked that. That was one of the things that, that when I saw that, I thought, I'm in for a good ride. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. For it to have, um, you know, to be this uh, mess, I suppose, of confidential documents and post-it notes and um, scribbles in the margins and everything means something. Um, and and it, it, that's a, it's a 10-minute exploration in itself, just that one page. Um, and then you read the whole comic, and come back to that. You read the whole story, come back to that page, and it means more again. Yeah, um, and then it, you've got the Phantom doing his chronicle, which is at the end. You mean? Which is yeah, which is at the end. So it's like you almost. It's bookended. Yeah, it's bookended, but you're getting two versions of the story hmm. at once. Yep. Yep. Now I I I agree wholeheartedly. I I really love the way that it was a very clever. Um, a very sensible way to to give us a lot of exposition and um, put us in a position of understanding before we even open the story that it's almost a a, a prelogue, I suppose, um, where the a lot most of these documents would have been written after the story took place, and they're going right. Who is this mysterious man that we've seen and trying to explore who he was and all that sort of stuff? So because sometimes um, when we knock historical stories by Egmont they spend four or five pages setting the story mm-hmm. where you do not have to do that with this because it's one page mm-hmm. bam it's done get straight into the story which means it doesn't take away what you're trying to do in the story but if you're spending four or five pages setting the story up with the historical elements you've then only got 15 pages to actually solve the story mm. Yep. So, and you um, picked up on Leon Harrison Gross as the intelligence officer. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, he's he, he loves his um, um, Easter, eggs. Easter eggs, Paul, and he does them really, really well. So mm. yeah, um, and and of course for those who came in late, Leon Harrison Gross was Lee Fork's uh, real name um, before he took Fork um, as a as a surname. Mhm. There's another Easter egg on one three seven. 
Uh, yes, a, a pair. Of, well, a pair of um, good-looking who, roosters, <laughs> so to speak. Yes, um, obviously little uh, cameo appearances by Duncan Munro and uh, Sammy J um, appearing here. Um, there's actually uh, most of the most of the characters, most of the soldiers were um, based on uh, real people. Those are probably two that we um, yeah, know, are familiar know, with. Familiar to us, but um, lots of um, movie stars and um, you know your Lee Marvins and these sorts of characters um, were inspiration for the uh, for the for the soldiers and that sort of thing. So um, I guess it's a, it's a great way for an artist to keep track of the different characters that he's got in his platoon in this instance um, and make sure that everybody's accounted for and that sort of stuff is to is, is to, to make mm. the characters in their own right, even if it's only by something as simple as the various uh, graffiti or, or personalization they've done on their helmets and that sort of stuff yeah i thought it was a great touch yeah it was really clever it was it was, it was good and, and it gives you something else to look at and something else to think about and it makes the that mm. makes the the soldiers more human yes um, more individual yeah now mm. what do you think about the story of the whole really good Really good. I mean, um, I know you were worried about how can you put a Phantom in a war zone and um, what's that going to look like. I must... And, and I wasn't worried. I was probably more concerned because I was more concerned how you were going to put the Phantom in the setting of the Vietnam War where, like what I said, that... It, there's no winners, there's no good guys and no bad guys in this war. Both sides were wrong. Both sides were murderers and did a lot of horrible things. And I didn't really, you know, in the Second World War, it was a lot easier and clear-cut on who were the good guys and who were the bad guys. Hmm. In now, the Vietnam War, it was a lot harder. And I guess I, I probably, and, and we had these conversations in the lead up to the story coming out, but I feel like I had a, a bit more faith that um, the, the Phantom is a character who can find the middle ground and not join a side. And I think that's the difference mm. in in, Phantom, in war stories. You kind of go, oh, which side's he on? In mm. this, the Phantom's not on a side. And I yep. think that's really important. And he's, um, you know, trying to trying to protect everybody trying to minimise the damage to both sides and, and just trying to find some semblance of, um, of, of safety, I guess, in the middle of, of this disaster that was mm. unfolding and rounding. Now, I will say that I did pick that he was going to be there to rescue someone. Um, so I, I will, I'm going to claim that. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I liked how he did that. The other thing that I liked about it was the fact that even being in that setting for, I think he talks about it in on the last page, I think he was saying that he was oh, been there for almost a year. Oh, yeah, it's over 12 months from my travels here. And it's kind of like he talks about how this place is wearing me down. I feel for those men who must act and dine with half of the egos and uh, rhetoric of more powerful men who get to sleep with their loved ones back home a world away. And then he's saying that he also feels for the North and South Vietnamese who seem to feel that unifying a nation and talks about that. Uh, my oath finds me pulled in all directions as I struggle to determine if anyone is actually fighting for the right cause or the right side. Mm. 
with only the brave and the innocent suffering. Um, and then I reminded of someone, a North Vietnamese soldier recently said to me, who wins and who loses is not a question in war. No, it's not a question. In war, no one wins or loses. There is only destruction. Only those who have never fought like to argue one of these matters. Hmm. So, you know, it it was... he Paul did a very good job in tightroping that middle ground. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. I, I think he did a brilliant job in the writing. I think he's done a brilliant job in the in the the drawing in the artwork. Um, I'd be intrigued, and I think you might have mentioned this in your um, video. I'd be intrigued to see this in color. Um, I, I really like it in black and white. I like the way mm. that there's no clear. Um, panels, I suppose, and there's there's very few clear um, boundaries to panels. It's all blended through, and, and yeah, it's um, a good point. The uh, the splash page, if you like, on page one forty four, one forty five, is intense. Um, the the oh, I, yeah, I really really like it. What you, okay? Um, this is by the same artist as the one who does Kid Phantom. I think there's lots of um, ways that you can tell that. Yep. But it's significantly different, yeah? Yeah. Now, I guess you're looking at the fact that it's in black and white rather than colour. But even stylistically. A, yeah, but there's um, there's also like in, in the Kid Phantom, and I'm not an artist and I'm not an expert. I'm the reader and someone who's been reading comics and for a while and enjoys them and stuff like that. There seems to be more open space in Kid Phantom, mm. which which kind of makes it cleaner, if in a sense. Yep. Where this, there's a lot, there's a lot of darker panels, a lot more fandom in the shadows. Like you said, there's no clear um, panels. There's more, there's more ink on the page than mm. what there is in a in a in a Kid Phantom, which kind of adds to the grittiness but also leads to the black and white, which gives it that darker feel. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and it's, it's a gritty... And it's at night time as well. Yeah, but it, it's a gritty, it's a dirty war, it, and, and mm. that really comes through in the in the way that it's been drawn as well. Yeah. Like on page 152 where the guy's pointing to the skull mark on his ring, you know, mm. the way he's drawn the hand, that is very Kid Phantom-ish. Yep. Um, even the Vietnamese uh, colonel, you know, the way his face is and, and stuff like that. You can see Kid Phantom's style yeah. in that. You can tell it's done by the same artist, but he's able to, uh, I don't know, I guess put more ink on the page to give it that darker look, which yeah, is... And, and it's certainly more adult style of drawing. Yeah. No doubt about that. So, mm. yeah, it, it, it speaks to drawing and writing for his audience of course yeah now here's a question you've got you've got an eight-year-old has he read this annual no no not not by design i'm not i'm not keeping it from him um yeah i it, it just hasn't happened no yeah all right cool now the short charlton story of the nazi phantom what are your thoughts on that uh, I'm not a fan. It's probably the least of the stories for mine. Um, yep. I don't think. Uh, I don't think that the Phantom would 
even ever dress up as a Nazi, just even to pretend to get closer. And then that the, the plot line doesn't that disappears in a hurry. No, I I just didn't enjoy this story. Yep. All right. No worries. Now, Rekum. What about you? Um. Unfortunately, it's a product of it being a Charlton story that they created these horrible five, six, seven, ten-page stories that... It wasn't long enough to be able well, to be a decent story. Yeah, but I've re- some of those stories that are short are decent. Um, there's been a couple that I've read that are short and they're actually really, really good. Um, but majority of them are these quick... They, they kind of remind me of those... Um, you know when you like watch a TV show or something and you've got the overarching storyline, but then they have these like filler episodes which are just, you know, basically padding it out to get to the 10 or 24 episodes they need for the year. Mm. But this just seemed to be one of these pad-out stories that's some random idea. And, and the biggest problem that I have with Charlton stories is that the writer mixes the Phantom up as a Tarzan. When I read the Charlton stories, I get the feeling that I'm reading Tarzan rather than The Phantom. Yeah, fair. I don't even know that Tarzan had put on a Nazi outfit, though. Yeah, but I don't know. It's, you know, it, it wasn't the best story, but, you know, I'm glad we got... I, I, I thought it was a worthy inclusion. Maybe it could have been added at the end. Um, I think I, I think it contributes to what what I like. You know, we talked about there only being five stories. We've got a newspaper story, we've got a semic story, we've got a Charlton story, and then we've got um, an entirely Australian produced story, and then we've got another new through creation which is written by Scandinavian and drawn by Brazilian. So yeah. we really have covered the the gamut of global production, and I think that Fru needs to be credited for that, if, if nothing else yeah. in this annual. It's better to have five stories than four stories. Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> now, what do you think of Requiem? Um, well, first up, I'm going to pronounce it Requiem, and I don't know who's Requiem. right. I, yeah. Oh. Um, I agree with the comment that you made in the uh, YouTube review, which is that it deserved a splash page because it's it's particularly the way that um, Pide's written it, I suppose, in that he's got this little um, prelogue page um, before the titles, and so therefore the the Charlton story, Nazi Phantom, sort of ends, and then you're straight into the next story. I, I always prefer a splash page between stories. I wonder how many people missed that page altogether and just went straight to 166. Mm, I don't know. Yep. That, that like, second time I read it, I went straight to 166 instead of reading 165, and then I'm going, hang on, I'm, I'm missing something. Mm, okay. And then I went back. Now this is just me, but I, you know, I, I think it would have been better if they had, you know, something on one sixty five, and then yeah, and then it kind of went that way. I just think it would have just broken it up a little bit better. And yeah. I, I reckon, pe- I reckon there would have been some people that would have missed one sixty five. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. So, what are your thoughts of the story? Um, 
I liked it. I loved that the vultures came back. I think that yeah. that's a, a great idea. Um, and and a, we need to see... Uh, there's so many... One of the great things that Lee Falk did was create so many characters that never... You know, it's a, it's a, double-edged coin, a, a double-sided coin. It's a good thing, um, but it's also a bad thing. People would have loved to see him write more stories with the characters that he created, mm. but it means that there's lots of stories yet to be written with those characters that he created. Mm. And uh, Peter Anderson has done a great job in terms of identifying one here. Vultures in a war story just makes sense. So that was yep. great. Now, um, he... Now, I'm not sure if people remember this but he actually made mention that the vultures were his favorite bad guys in a social media post probably a year ago so if people remember that and then we're reading this it was quite easy to draw uh to join the dots okay yep um in terms of the the story as a whole yeah i enjoyed it certainly um the artwork is not like much we've ever seen before in a in a phantom comic i think um, so I really enjoyed the way that, um, and again, I'm going to pronounce it Wendell. I hope that that's right. Uh, <laughs> Wendell. Um, uh, I really liked his approach and, and again, he's shared since, uh, some of his process and particularly some of the images like, um, when he's got the mist in the background. Um, yeah. Like the ink splatter. The ink splatter, so I'm looking at page 173 and then 174, 175. And then 170, um, yeah. The, the, those are sensational images, the way he's done those, and and then to see his processes to how he's done that. If you're not following Wendell on Facebook, then I recommend that you do so. Um, it's interesting, my Facebook feed is increasingly unreadable to me because it's all in Swedish and Brazilian and... <laughs> but uh, I love looking at the pictures so yeah, yeah. It's, it's like Ari's always like saying oh did you see this about your sister or like, and I'm going I don't use Facebook for my family I use Facebook no. for the fans <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> if, yeah. if you know if, if some of my family want you know just you can contact me and you can you tell me, me. Yeah. Uh, don't expect I've seen your photos at the beach because I'm looking at covers that might come out a year from now yes <laughs> I get my priorities set um, you talk about not glorifying war this story does not glorify war and in fact there are some of the and you've only got to look at the, the title page on 166 um, oh. there are some of the most graphic images that I think mm. I've ever seen in a Phantom comic I reckon this is probably um, the darkest Phantom story we've ever seen oh I don't know about that in terms of um, content but certainly in terms of artwork it, it's got to be in the conversation I suppose um, if only for the cold-blooded killings, the the heads exploding, the the blood spurting out, the yeah, the wounded, the dead, the um, guy holding a picture of his wife or or something like yeah. that, um, yeah. and then there's that other one which I'm sure most people would have missed. Oh, where is it? I saw it a second ago. It is page 182 where you've got the kids, you know, which your kids are anywhere between 8 and 10 or 12 or whatever, who are mm-hmm. going through the war and actually picking stuff off the dead bodies. Oh, I don't know if anyone... Oh, well, I certainly didn't miss that. I mean, that's... Again, that's pretty graphic. You've got a, mm. a very sad six, five-year-old girl who's stealing the, the... taking the necklace or whatever off a... 
maybe her father, neighbor, whatever, who's just staring blankly and and quite yeah no it's it's graphic the artwork is very very graphic and confronting so um mm. Mm. um i love the way he's drawn the phantom now in I'd, my I'd opinion, be interested to know if pete actually wanted it to be that dark or was that the artist's interpretation of well here's how i'm going to show these things well i'll tell you what we might just have to get peter onto a podcast again we may well, uh, we may well. It'd be a question I'd be keen to know. Mm, so uh, I know he listens as well. So mm. um, when you listen to this, mate, um, let us know. I know you've already pre-said that you are in, interested in joining us, but you wanted to get a couple of stories be, uh, under your belt first. Uh, I believe you've now got three. So, um, you know, it might be time for you to get on. Now, talking about stories... You compare this to his second story that he did for free. How different are they? Okay, I'm not... I know exactly which story you're talking about, of course, but for the listeners who are not as savvy as me, why don't you remind us what story that was? Okay, so his first story was a a Phantom's World story. The second story he did was... No, um, no, more information. What was the Phantom World story that he did? Oh, it was the Shangri-La one, I think, from memory. Yes, correct. Uh, and then the second story was the sequel to the movie stars, which you did with uh, Shane Foley, and, and that was the one that was light, funny. There was Appeared jokes in, the, in it in the, the trade second trade paperback, the 70th yep. trade paperback. Um, with Shane Foley and the one that had, like, about 100 different Easter eggs in it and stuff like that. It was just... A very, very fun story. And he did tell me, he said, oh, you know, I've, I've gone, you know, I think he said something about I've gone, you know, full 180 or something like that. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah. And then like reading this and it's like, yeah, dude, you've definitely gone yeah. on 180. <laughs> uh, so I wonder if he's immersed himself in like, you know, a, a, a marathon of uh, horror movies and um, war movies and stuff like that. But it's like... You know, it's like he changed personalities to write this story. Hmm. Yep, no, no doubt. Uh, look, I, I enjoyed it as a story. I, I, I'm like you. I read a lot of Commando stories um, as a kid, primarily. I haven't read many lately. Um, and so I, I enjoy a good war comic, and this is a, this is a good war comic. And it's got yeah. Phantom in it, and it's got Phantom elements with the vultures. Um, the vultures don't hold back in terms of being nasty, nasty people. Um, it's a good story. What did you think of the art? The art? I yeah, of Wendell. You like the way he draws the Phantom? Yeah, I do. There was one image in particular, and, well, there's a number of images. The the one where he's holding the, or throwing the dog. the dog on page 193. Yeah. Um, there was one where he's crouching on top of a building, too. Yeah, um, that's before. One, 184. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he does a good Phantom. I like his, he's a lithe Phantom. He's not a, um, you know, I like Glenn Lumsden's work, but the the cover of one eight, uh, 1829 is a very muscle-bound, thick-set Phantom. Uh, Wendell Cavalcanti's Phantom is far more lithe and athletic, which is yeah. probably how I prefer to see yeah. the Phantom. Wendell's Phantom reminds me of Ray Moore and Don Newton. I was going to say Don Newton for sure, yeah. Um, so he, I t- I've told him that, and he was a little bit uh, a little bit uh, shocked 
that we thought of that about his work, but um, oh no, definitely, yeah. Now there's a um an interview. The, one of the other things that I love about their annual is the interview with Wendell and with some of the behind the scenes, um, and the one that um Paul Mason did with um with the Operation Nam as well, with some yes. more behind the scenes as well. It. It's. I like that type of stuff because I like seeing the process. I like, you know, like where you've got on page 202, you've got the, you know, the pencil roughs to what it looks like and, you know, the process of, you know, the cover and um, where he puts a cutout of a bit of paper over the character and then splatters his ink to give that effect. And mm. it's just, um, it. it's a great addition to a good comic. And, you know, maybe we could have gotten a couple of pages of forum letters or, or maybe even another short Charlton story, but I probably prefer that than a couple of pages of uh, forum letters. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's a, it's a great behind the scenes look and, um, really enjoy being able to, to find out a little bit more about the artists and also to, to see a little bit about their process. It's, it's really informative. Mm. There's going to be some people who skip over it and whatever. Um, we do a fandom podcast. We're full fandom nerd. There's no doubt about that. So we we would read that and devour that and really enjoy seeing it. Yep. Cool. Okay. All right. Okay. Anything else you need to make mention, or are you happy for us to move on? No, I, I've as a package the 2019 mm. through Phantom. Um, I really enjoyed it. Didn't mention, should have, when I did the cover, liked the camouflage effect through the Phantom um, title as well. Yeah, it's a nice little um, uh, nice little touch. Yeah. Cool. Well, okay, we've got one more issue, so thank you, everyone, oh, for... Oh, back it up, back it up, back it up. Uh, you want to go 3.30? We've got to talk 3.30. Now... A couple of people were a little bit confused why we got 3.30 and we didn't get the replica. Um, now, for those who haven't figured it out, do you want to explain why we got issue 3.30 instead of the replica of 27? I'll explain the reasoning um, that was given. Uh, whether that's the explanation, I'm, I will discuss. Um Okay, so we are up to issue... We've, we've just had issue 26 was the last replica that we were given with the 2018 um, annual, which meant that we were due for issue 27. Now, t issue 27 of Fru was The Phantom Goes to War Part 1. Yeah. Um, and then of of how course, many parts? Four. So 27, yeah. 28, 29, 30 were The Phantom Goes to War. Now... Um, I've argued um, that, and, and maybe even here, but certainly online, that um, 30 would be a nice round number to finish if we must finish. 26, I'm OCD enough to say that 26 is not a nice finishing number, that 30 should be where we finish um, if we must finish, and that's neat because it finishes a story. I do accept that if you've decided that you're going to put The Phantom Goes to War in the annual, that having issue 27... Um, as the replica that comes with it, which is the first part of The Phantom Goes to War, is a little silly. Um, so I completely get that. And I guess that's why 27 wasn't included, at which point you've got to go, well, what else will we include? 
Um, whether this spells the end of the replicas, it probably does, to be honest. Um, it would be hard to see issue 27 come out next year um, and we move ahead from there. See, I um, reckon we'll get the replicas again. Because you got to remember... Depends, on the, depends it, on the feedback. Two years ago, that Dudley, you know, gave every fan the opportunity to, to write in, ring yeah. in, yeah. send, you know, snail mail or faxes or whatever else, giving people the option of whether they want to see the replicas continue or not. And he said, you know, that, you know, that by far the feedback from fans was that they want to see the replicas. So, so I have think... They, so have they met that, though, by producing 330, which is not a replica? I think it is important to say it's not a replica because well, it's not it's not issue 330. Because 330 never existed. Because 330 never existed. It's as close as you're going to get to a replica, though. Is it? Well, what, what, what else could have they done? Oh, well, could have they just not had the... it? You've argued in the past for um, uh, anything else, um, sticker books, um, masks, you know, something else, other, some other freebie to go in the bag. Yeah, but, um, the, you know, and the public, the phantom buyers have voted and said that they want to see a replica. But this isn't a replica. Yeah, but, but what I'm saying is they've... You know, they've said they want to see a replica. So if you're not going to do 27 and the public expect to see a replica, what mm. else can you do? Mm. All right. Did you like getting 330? Yeah, I thought it was a great little novelty. I would have rather 330 than 27. Yep, yep. Because, you know, it's like, well, all right, here's an... I've got issue 29 of the King series. No, oh, you've got a reproduction of what 29 might have looked like if it had existed. Yeah, so in short, I've got issue 29 of King. Now, No, I argue that you do not. Well, I do. But it's, no. not, it's not anything... You know, it's a fan-made creation of 29. But mm. the thing is, is there's probably... 10, maybe 15 other people that have that. It's something unique, something a little bit odd. And that's what 330 is. And that's yeah, what the replica... Yeah, but anyone with a photocopier can produce that if they want to. Yeah, if they want to. If people want to, they can do whatever they want. But whether they do is another thing. It's, you know, people want a replica in the annual. And I hate replicas in the annuals. I think it's a waste of space. It's 30-odd pages that you could put in the annual. And instead of it being 2012, it could be... 250 pages or, or, or whatever and we can get another story that that's not heavily edited and blah 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 we've all heard my my argument before but you know but this is what people want and it does not make sense to do issue 27 so the next most obvious choice is to do 330 and i don't think there is if you if you have to do a replica i don't think there's another obvious choice See, I'm of the opinion that I love little quirks of history. And one of the little quirks of through history has always been that 330 never existed. And I thought that was a really cool story. And it remains a cool story that the that 330 actually never existed. This is a... 
I don't know. We're, okay, well, here's a, here's a some question. people might argue that the the, the quirky story of three thirty is more well known now because of them bringing out this this issue. Because you got to remember that you know the full background and all that type of stuff, but you and I do. But you know, we our our fandom geekness is a lot more than what the regular reader is where the regular reader probably didn't even know 330 didn't exist. You and know, we, you look did, on, we did see some comments around that on social yeah, media as well. and you, you so, see that people still comment, oh, I can't find 330 in, you know, I've been looking for 330, blah, blah, blah. So I would argue that the, the, the quirkiness of that story is more known and more quirky now because of what Fur has done. But now it kind of exists Whereas yeah, it didn't but... before. So, okay, here's, here's my question. Um, you've opened, obviously you've opened the replica sealed yep. because you, uh, the, the annual, because you've read it. So yep. what are you going to do with your copy of 330? You want to you know what? I don't even know where my copy of 330 is, to be honest. <laughs> right, there you go. So that's, that goes to show how much you love and respect it. Yeah, but um, you got to remember that I'm not the average phantom buyer. Okay, um, so... And I I think sometimes, you know, we need to remember that, you know, you and I and some of the listeners, maybe not all of the listeners, are not your average phantom buyer. We're your geeks that buy a tour okay. of everything and so, blah, blah, so, blah. So, but we only make a fraction of what their market is. So speaking to the geeks who let's be honest, are mostly the listeners <laughs> um, who are now... At involved. least half of our listeners. Yeah, for sure. To be conservative. Um, where you, you find... Tomorrow, hypothetically, if it hasn't burned, you find your copy <laughs> of 3.30 um, and you decide, right, I need to put that where it belongs. Where do you put it? With the annual. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Because that's where um, it came out. You're not going to go and file it between 329 and 331 in your collection of old fruits? No. It's the same reason why I do not uh, file the replica of 1 to 26 with my issues 1 to 26. I file them with the annuals. Now, I don't okay. have issues 1 to 26 or 329 or 331, no, no, no. but if I did, I would not be filing those with those issues, I'll be filing them with the annual because they're okay. replicas or not, you know. Well, well see, would, because... you, would you file it with your 330? Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to because, I, as you've mentioned, I've got two of this. I've got two of the annuals. I've got two of every annual that's come out. And so I've got my reading copy, which is the one that I keep in a separate pile. I file the unopened one, which, of course, has the, the replica strapped to it. And then the, I guess my reading copies of the replicas go into a separate folder, which is one to forty or whatever it is. Okay, so you you put your replicas in a separate folder. Yeah. So you want to, you're going to put so just to clarify, yep. you're going to put three thirty with your three hundreds, and not in your replica file. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I haven't yet because I've um. <laughs> Oh, but don't I, know I where think, it is either. No, no, no. I'm, I, it's, it's in my hand. It's right here. Um, I I read it because I thought we might um, review the game of Alvar. I was disappointed that it wasn't a war story because it's the company's the Phantom goes to war. 
Um, I think we've talked more about the uh, 3.30 without actually talking about the actual story than yeah, yeah, uh, probably sure. half of the stories but, in but, the annual. But it needs to be... It's an issue. It's, it's, a, it's they've, they've changed phantom history. They've changed through history by producing this book. Um, it's the... I may be wrong. It's certainly the only one from that era that looks like it's from that era that has got a barcode slapped on the front. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought at the time, ahead of time, and then since I've seen it, I, I, it's been confirmed for me... I am a little bit saddened that it has been produced. I would have preferred that it was remained lost. To be okay, honest. And it's, so it's not a the, genuine replica of what 330 would have been either because it's more pages. Um, yeah, my but the question is, that you have not answered is what could have they done differently in the sense that they have to bring out a replica because that's what the average Joe Blow who buys at the newsagent is expecting and wants. Go completely away from it. If you're not going to produce 27, then do something completely different and then see what the response is. People are probably like, um, would probably like something else completely different. You, when, when it was first teased by Dudley, I think you might have said um, it might be the cardboard cutout gun that appeared um, in the uh, earlier, it might have been the 200s or the 100s on the back of Phantom Comics. You speculated that that might have been what came out. Now, that would have been really cool um, if they had done um, I don't know. Prince Could you do that... something like that in today's um, nanny state? Wouldn't they, wouldn't they get, like, uh, removed from the, uh, from the shelves after all the outcry from all the lefties? My point is that's something that they could have done. That, that's something that would have been... That people would have been more excited about that than a 3.30, I reckon. I don't know. I reckon from, from what I've seen on Facebook, when people understood it, I think a lot of people were, were pretty, uh, um, pretty excited about 3.30. Uh, well, maybe I'm in the minority, but people can um, comment on the Facebook posts that will accompany this or whatever and, and let me know if I am. If, if you loved 3.30 and you think it's fantastic, um, then I will... Except that that's your opinion, I probably won't agree with it. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Well, what about the file card? What have you done with the uh, 3.30 file card? Again, I'm not even sure where it is. I've got a pile of file cards <laughs> that I have not uh, had time to file away. All right. It, it, it was a point of contention with people. Where, where do you put it? Um... I think with the file card, you put it with... you. Um, you put it in next to 329. and you, Yeah. I think and, with and the it, file cards, it makes sense to go there. Yep. It took about 10 minutes to go back and move every card because I do keep up to date and put them in the pockets. I had to go back and move every card forward one, the last 150 cards or whatever that have come out because uh, we're up to about 450 or... Must yeah, it's come, it's come pretty quick. Um, so I did have to go and move those, but that's where I have put my file cards. So um, yeah, now that makes sense with the file cards. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, and look for the game of Alvar as a story. I thought it was quite good. Um, it was good to be able to see some Ray Moore art again. Um, I know we just saw a lot of it in the Phantom Goes to War. What I really liked, there was some great humour there. Um, the Phantoms actually talked into going on a cruise. I know you haven't read it, Jim. You don't even know where your copy no, is. No, no, I've read it. <laughs> uh, I liked that um, the Phantoms being talked to go on a cruise, on a cruise ship with uh, Diana and um, Aunt Lily, um, Diana's mum, 
to go and um, spend some more time so she gets to know the Phantom better. He does his typical thing of um, staying in the cabin all day and only coming out at night. And there's a great panel on, on uh, and I haven't got it open, but uh, there's a great panel on uh, page four where she goes, what's he doing? That's ridiculous. Sleeping all day and coming out at night. What sort of human is this? That's, I, I don't like the Phantom at all. Anyway, I'm going to have a nap. And um, I, I thought that that was lovely. Um, there's a couple of panels as well, which we have seen featured in the Phantom Art Show. So some of those, um, that inspiration for, for artists, and we talked a lot about that with... Um, when did, when did I read that recently in one of the articles we posted? I don't know. Um, and also, yeah, that, some of the artwork and, and the story is great, but it's it's not a genuine 3.30. Anyway, stand by that. No, but this, it kind of almost proves to me that that's what they should be doing with these replicate issues, which is 1831, which we're going to be moving on, is that, if you're going to reproduce these stories, you might as well reproduce it as close to uh, as, as close as original as possible. But this is a good example where you've got so this issue 140 is it 148? Yeah, 148 is um, the Lady Luck Part One, and then you've got the um, what do you call it? The Underwater Diamond Thieves, I believe it is. Yeah, yes. and then you've got the Slave Traders. So what doesn't make sense is that issue 148 um, is Lady Luck Part 1, where the previous replica series number 17 has Lady Luck Part 2 in it. So you read Part 2, and then three months later you read Part 1. Oh, I agree. I agree with that wholeheartedly. That's always been a problem with the way that they've been counting mm. these replica series backwards. So did you read yours? Uh, no, I haven't had the chance. I've uh, flicked through it. It only arrived early this week, and uh, I'm back at work now. I don't have time to sit down and read comics. <laughs> yeah, so, um, wow, I'm looking, I'm looking at it now. The art of the slave traders is horrible. Look at page 78 and 79. The Phantom doesn't even have a mouth. On top of page 78. Yeah. Yeah, no, the reproduction quality is not great, is it? No. It's very horrible, the, the reproduction quality of this one. Page 69, the guy jumping in the sea doesn't even have a face. Looks like, he's, looks like his head's been um, mauled off. It's, um, yeah, it's a very horrible um, reproduction. And this is the problem that I have with, with these, is that you look at the game of Elvar, which you know, like it or not, is a fairly clean reproduction and pretty much as close as you're going to get where this story is not. Oh, the, ga the game of Alvar was too small, I think. The panels were far smaller than they would have been in the original, probably because they uh, did do an unedited, or maybe they did an unedited version. Well, it was I'm, sure I saw a post from, I'm sure I saw a post from David Budd saying that it was... 30 pages when it was supposed to be 24 or something like that. Yeah, originally... Oh, hang on. I think I've just found my issue 330. It's in the pile of comics I have to sort out. There it is. Yeah. Well, good luck Normal, working out where it belongs. Yeah. Um, 
normally it uh, it's thirty two pages, and then normally um, I think the first couple of times it was published, the first sixteen pages or or or, or something like that was um, was removed because. I actually read this story in when it was last published by Frew in I think it was in the nine hundreds is when I actually read this story recently. Um and in there it actually talks about um how the first couple of times it was published it was basically missing a whole heap of the um uh the first couple of pages. All right, let's move on to um, anything else you want to say regarding the replica series. Uh, no, I, I do. I thought you know I agree with you that um, print of one forty six is pretty ordinary, but the printing of one forty seven is is clean enough. So um, yeah, yeah, one forty seven's not bad. Although the panels are all edited, they're all uh, increased in height. Um, same as the slave traders. No, sorry, the ladylike story is the one with the panels increased in size. The slave panels also been increased in size. Where, um, yeah, the diamond hunters is a little bit more accurate, but it's got the crossing out of the dates, and it's got some of those panels of the artists removed as well. So, say for instance, on page forty-seven. It's got a little Wilson McCoy little box and it's got a black texter through the date. And then if you look at the previous page in 46, that date and artist um, mention is not there as well. So that's been re- that's been removed. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. All right, now the other thing which um, about the replica issue is... The title is a purple. Uh, that's true. So that's something a little bit uh, unique. That's they've kind of changed it up a little bit, which is kind of nice. Is it? I, it, you might be right. I um I don't have the others to. Don't the the, the slip cases that come with them? You can get those in a variety of colours, can't you? With the title in various colours. Um, I'm looking at mine, and mine's got like a white down the bottom gradient with like a red up the top. I can see two that I've got, and they're like that. Are they so, both the same? Yeah. I got the slipcases when they first came out. I'm not sure if they've redone the slipcases since. But that was of the Phantom Lamp. I'm sure oh, if you go right. onto the free website, it might be different. I am looking at them now, and the, they I think the slipcases are the only with the Phantom Lamp, and they do have a, a range of different colours. Um, I'm not sure if you can oh, choose so which colour you... For every completist out oh, there. Oh, the, the completist is about to... Um, oh, the, the genuine attack. completist probably already has one each of these, which has cost him 200 bucks. but um, I'm, it'd be interesting to see if you can choose which colour you get when you order. <laughs> anyway, we need to sign off. So uh, before we sign off, um, we made mention of it uh, previously, but uh, we have a, a friend, Mikel Lick, who is going to be doing a review of Phantom Man uh, issue one of 2019, Phantom Man issue two and three 
of 2019, which is a double issue, and Phantom End 4 of 2019. So take it away, buddy. Hello, this is Mickey with a short audio review of the first issues of Phantom and released this year. The first issue of 2019 includes two Phantom Adventures, The Pit of Doom and The Beast of Phantom's Head Peak, and it also includes a scheduler poster. The first adventure then, The Pit of Doom, is written by Di Karlström and Magnus Carling, with art from Rafael Ruiz and Coral Martinez. It's also Rafael Ruiz who made the cover with the big gorilla lurching towards the phantom. The story takes place on a big floating base like in uh, Waterworld. I really love that setting. The story was nice but it feels a bit short with 21 pages. Would probably really enjoyed a couple of extra pages to flesh out the story. But all in all I, I really enjoyed this one. Then the second story is an old daily story from 95. I believe the reason it hasn't been published before was that it wasn't really holding the standard. But now since they only want new material for 2019 it's deemed good enough. And I actually don't understand why they thought it was so bad. It, I think it's quite okay story. It's not worse than many Team Phantom stories. And uh, they had used some excerpts from an old Team Phantom story, Return of the Ghost. It's actually only two panels of uh, when they go back and talk about the 19th Phantom. Uh, if I didn't knew that because of the Phantom Wiki, I would not have seen it, I think. And uh, that's all about the first issue of the year. The second issue is uh, double issue 2-3 uh, but it only includes one phantom adventure. It's the curse of the old man Moss but the Swedish title is if you translate it directly Death of Phantom but uh, in Swedish then uh, it has a nice cover made by Henrik Salström and it's the daily story from 2017. I have some issues with this. First of all, it's a double issue, but it's only one phantom adventure. I think a double issue should include two phantom adventures because you wouldn't include half a phantom adventure in a single issue. They could, of course, made it part one and part two of this story, but still I think it should be two stories. Another thing is that even though the cover is great, the color scheme of uh, Diana's clothing does not match the coloring in the adventure, which is uh, maybe nitpick, but at least for me it's not that good. And this story is it's not it's not very great. It's average for me. This issue also includes the voting for the best story of 2018 that's already ended so you can't do that anymore then we're at the latest issue issue number four and this has uh, also a cover from Hendrik Solström and the story is called Hemden's Engel which translates to Angel of Vengeance but there's it hasn't been published in English so I don't know what the official title will be 
The story takes place in England following the suffragettes movement in 1917. It includes the re reoccurring villain Rasputin. For me, this story is too much of a history lesson and too less of an adventure. It also includes uh, the voting for best cover of 2018 and you can still vote until the 5th of March. So go and do that online if you haven't done it already. And in the end of this issue it includes a sneak peek of the next issue, that is issue number 5. And that will feature part 1 of a 4 part story following the 22nd Phantoms. That's a big deal for me, that's the continuation of the Empty Throne that I think is one of the better arcs they have done in recent years in the Team Phantomen. So all in all, a lot of new content for Swedish readers. Not all of them were great in my opinion, but there was a few gold nuggets and I hope other readers like those as much as me and the other more than me. But that's all from me, over and out. Thank you for that, mate. Um, can't wait to get them. Uh, I'm getting these issues, but they take a little bit longer to uh, arrive from Sweden to Australia, um, but I appreciate that. So thank you, everyone, for listening to our podcast, us prattling on, um, and that's what happens when Steve decides to disappear. We prattle on. Oh, can you imagine how long this would have gone if he'd had his uh, thoughts on all of these stories as well? I would have just said, oh, I'm sitting on the fence. Oh, I don't know, I'm <laughs> sitting on the fence. Oh, I'm sitting on the fence. Oh, I'm sitting on the fence. <laughs> That's a bit rough, going, Steve. Steve? Yeah. <laughs> we value your opinion far more than that, Steve. <laughs> all right, so thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, hopefully uh, you've had some fun um, discussing the comics uh, and the news with us. Um, as per normal, you can support us uh, using Patreon, um, which is a huge benefit to us. Uh, there's a huge range of levels and different bonuses and pluses uh, for each level. You can basically support us from as little as $1 to, I think it's up to $50 or something like that oh, a people month. People could support us up to $1,000 a month if they wanted. We'll come up with a level for you, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even if you've got to get rid of Stephen as a uh, podcast regular. <laughs> <laughs> If anyone ever wonders what Stephen totally does and enjoyed us. I'm going to go into Patreon in a moment and put in a $1,000 a month level to kick Stephen off the podcast. Uh, we're going to find out when Stephen actually listens to this. We, we he'll, uh, will. He'll, he'll come back with all guns firing. So, no, all jokes aside, um, um, yeah, so there's different levels. Uh, basically, it helps us to be able to pay the bills in running a website, running a podcast, and everything else we have had to buy and for the brand Chronicle Chamber. Uh, we've got some exciting stuff coming up, which we will talk about later, but not at the moment. But basically, the Patreon, there's benefits for the Patreon supporters. They get access to our Phantom Preservation Project, um, and there's even another bonus which they'll be getting very, very soon as well. Now, uh, by the time this comes out, there will be a whole stack of new stuff. 
that will be added to the P3 or the Phantom Preservation Project. Um, if you want to keep an eye on what there is, there is an index. So, for instance, if you want to look at it before you uh, start giving us some money, there is the index, or if you're intrigued of what we've got, there is the index as well. Now, if people want to donate their stuff to add to the Phantom Preservation Project, please get in touch with us. Uh, we've had a couple of submissions in the last couple of months, and we are very grateful to those, uh, Thomas and uh, Jamie. Okay, so there's you can follow everything we do on chroniclechamber.com. Uh, which has basically all our articles, all the fandom news, um, rumours, confirmed news, new products, new comics, all that top stuff is on chroniclechamber.com. Uh, you can email us, which is chroniclechamber at gmail.com. Uh, our social media links, we have Facebook, which uh, is Chronicle Chamber Phantom fan page, or you can also search for Phantom Collector Group, which is kind of like a, a secondary Facebook page we have. Uh, if you're a Twitter user, uh, it is at Chronicle Tweets. If you're an Insta or an Instagram user, um, it is at Chronicle Chamber. Um, so most of the stuff we do is posted on those. Um, feel free to drop us a line, like, follow, retweet, love, like, share, whatever um, acronym or whatever, not acronym, um, whatever way you want to promote our stuff, we appreciate that. And of course, if you, uh, like our podcast and you want to make sure that you get, be updated and it gets dropped on your device or in your computer as soon as we released another podcast, you can do that via iTunes or your favorite podcast app, which is i.e. Podbean, Castbox, Play FM, et cetera, et cetera. So, Dan, thank you for joining us. No worries, mate. I need to pass on to everybody that if you just order a, collector, a collector's replica series slipcase, you're just going to get a random colour. So if you would like to, if you're a completist and you want to make sure you get one of each colour, you're going to have to email dudley at fruepublications.com.au <laughs> Uh, and say, Dudley, when you send me my slipcases, I want one of every colour that you've got. There's 12 different colours. No, eight. There's eight different colours um, on the website. So if you want them all, make sure you hit up Dudley. Oh, anyway, Dudley's going to love you for that. Happy fandoming, Dudley. <laughs> happy fandoming, guys. Um, have a good one. And we've got a couple of great podcasts coming up. So please yeah, looking forward to them. Uh, keep an eye out. Bye. Bye. Well, that was longer than I thought. <laughs> Five hundred years ago, he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck. And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy. Injustice and cruelty And all my sons will follow me So evildoers will believe That this man cannot die The Phantom The ghost who walks The Enemies beware The Phantom's always there But you won't find the Phantom He finds you